Hi, and welcome to Inglewood Presbyterian Church in Kirkland, Washington. We are a church for the neighborhood, whether you're a local neighbor or from far away, all are welcome here. We are pleased to present to you our weekly Sunday sermons. Our head pastor is James Cuman, and you can find more information about us on our website at inglewoodpc.org. sermon is built upon a set of scriptures. It's been my joy over the years to have different students read scripture for the morning worship. And if you are a student that would like to read, or if you know one, let me know. We'll practice and set you up for success. So, as I was interim pastor at in, in Portland, Mount Scott Presbyterian, the COVID crisis came and then we had to meet on Zoom. And so that became an opportunity for me to have different scripture readers from different locations read scripture. One of them was from Phoenix, our granddaughter, Ashley, and she uh, had the joy of doing it many times. And so she and I met yesterday and practiced, and she is going to do this morning's scripture from these passages. So hang on. that I will be reading is Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Dear Lord, my prayer is that you might receive favorably the words that I speak and the meditations of my heart, because you, Lord, are my rock and my redeemer. The next verse that we have is Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. One day, a religious scholar came to Jesus with a trick question. Teacher, what shall I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, how do you interpret God's law? The scholar said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Good answer, right on, Jesus said. Looking for a loophole, the religious scholar asked, But how do you define a neighbor? Jesus answered with this provocative parable. Once a man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers who beat him, stole his possessions, 
eleven half dead. Soon, a religious priest came by the road. He saw the bleeding man, and he ignored him and walked on the other side. Also, a religious Levite came down the same road also, and he too pretended not to see the badly injured man lying on the roadside. Then, a Samaritan came down the same road, and when he saw the wounded man, his heart was filled with compassion. He stopped and immediately gave the man first aid, disinfectant, and bandaged his wounds. Then, he lifted him onto a donkey, led him to the inn, and made him comfortable. As a Samaritan gave the innkeeper two silver coins, he said, Take good care of him, and if it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay the difference when I return. Then, Jesus asked, What do you think? Which of the three men was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by robbers? Hmm. The one who showed compassion to the hurting man, said the religious reader. Jesus said, Now you know what it means to love your neighbor. You go and do the same. The final passage that I will be reading is Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If with your mouth you affirm that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead to life, you will be saved. Thank you. Have a nice rest of your day. So I invite us to pray as we uh, look at the implications of this heartfelt scripture. Thank you, Lord, for your uh, teaching, uh, your welcome to us as recovering sinners, your invitation for us to be in fellowship and communion with you. And so we ask that we might be shaped by this, your word today. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, as you, as you see from the bulletin, the title of today's sermon is, Have You Had a Heart Exam Recently? And some have been through lots of heart exams, physical heart, others have not so much. But what's significant in this passage is that Jesus addresses the heart question in his version understanding of the great commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your what? Heart, soul, mind, and strength or body. And then he adds to that, as you heard, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Well, as I did the research for this sermon, I realized that the word heart is a really, really big subject. <laughs> it's really big. In fact, I listed in your bulletin uh, in your sermon in the uh, sermon roadmap, 
some of the versions of heart that we use today in society. Now, one of them that's not listed happened to me yesterday morning. Our grandson, Creighton, was a part of a swim meet that began about 9 a.m. in one of the nearby pools in our homeowners association, a couple miles away. I rode my bike, and as I came into the edge and saw everyone around the pool, what did I begin to hear? But I saw and heard a soloist singing, America the Beautiful. And everybody, there were two or three hundred parents and kids there around the pool. Everyone stopped and had their hand on their heart. One of the many uses of the word heart. So in Jesus' great commandment, he begins with, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. Well, I did research on how it's used among us today, and I've listed them in your insert. She really has a heart for being a teacher. After the big challenge, he took heart and went forward and was victorious. Or she stole my heart. Or that story made my heart after a heart-to-heart discussion, the couple decided to renew their wedding vows. Or he has a heart of gold. And then after learning about Jesus' resurrection, Jen had a change of heart. There's so many variations in our language and other languages as well of the word heart. So I'd like you to make groups of three quickly and Tell one another in the group which one of these phrases about the heart gets your attention. Ready? Get set. Go. Find a group of three. Okay, I uh, <clears throat> I trust you had a uh, heartfelt conversation in your small group? Yes? Oh, a heartfelt conversation. How's that? So, so we'll come back 
and um, relative to the scripture, the scripture, and and I'll be doing a four-part sermon series starting with heart next week, our soul. And that's the source of our connectivity with God. And as I've often said, if we did not have a soul, we would not even debate the existence of God. The soul is the thing in us that makes us wonder about Him. So heart, soul, mind. What are we doing with our intellect relative to the service of Christ? Heart, soul, mind, and then strength. And and that word means our body. And as we've often said, if you failed this morning to bring your body to this worship service, you would not be here. Yeah. You know, or we say, is uh, is anybody listening? <laughs> or the, fam- other, the other famous quote, uh, I can switch microphones if that will help. The other famous quote is, communication is 93% body language, 7% words. So that's the four parts that Jesus outlined. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, strength, slash body, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the interesting thing about the body relative to loving your neighbor is you heard it in today's parable about the good Samaritan. And the irony of that parable is that Samaritans were considered mm, not second class, maybe fifth or tenth class in the first century. And so for Jesus to come along and talk about a good Samaritan was Really, uh, all right, um, let's get to the heart of the matter here. (laughs) And, okay, all right, we'll try that. Due to technical difficulties, uh, we've taken a little pause there. Okay, that might work. And so, you know, he really shook up people because he dared talk about a good Samaritan. And several years ago, when I, my wife and I, were doing a sabbatical in the Middle East, I had the opportunity to walk part of the 45-mile-long road between Jerusalem and Jericho. As I did so, I thought, yeah, yeah, that might be a good place for a robber to hang out. Over there in those bushes. 
You could jump, get someone, get money from them. So that's the whole context then of Jesus's great commandment. Well, we go back then to this really dicey subject, the heart. And I've listed, uh, I listed here some of the things that the heart can stand for. It can be the center of our affections. Appetites. Desires. Passions. Purposes. Strategies. Thoughts. All of those are wrapped up in the word heart. Love God with all your heart. And and we'll pause for one moment and have a heart exam here. Uh, keep talking. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. All right. And this week, as I have, uh, you know, I typically start my sermons on Monday. I, I learned that a long time ago in the School of Hard Knocks. Far better to start Monday, work Tuesday, get it done by Wednesday, and then you kind of have it in your head the rest of the weekend. Hey, don't wait to Saturday night. Hello. <laughs> and so I've been thinking during the week about this, all these definitions of heart. And I found myself coming into situations and saying to myself, okay, um, George, um, Where's your heart relative to this particular matter? It's so multifaceted, but it goes back to Jesus' words, love God with all your heart. I passed yesterday a guy <laughs> driving a really, really fancy antique convertible car and I thought about love and heart and where is he relative to loving that car and loving others and loving God that's what this word heart is doing for us is just raising a lot of important questions about where am I? Well, I want to leave leave with you three historical people and then some present tense people who had a change of heart or who acted on their heart. And the first one is Martin Luther. Martin Luther is his 95 theses that he tapped on the Wittenberg door. It was the internet of the first century. So that was a big deal when he tacked the 95 theses. Well, well, part of it is that he understood and his heart told him that the church had just gone way, way, way off. And the church, among other things, had become 
totally clergy-centered, and regular people at that time could not even have a Bible. It only was a possession of the clergy. And as, as Luther studied the scripture, he said, no, that's not so. The scripture belongs to everyone, and the church is a part of everyone, and there's uh, you know, Jesus followers in the church. So he did his 95 theses. Now, after he did that, there was a lot of uh, opposition that came. And so his friends sequestered him in a castle. And I just want you to imagine that you have been sequestered for, his time was 12 weeks, sequestered in your garage with no electricity, no heating. And while you were sequestered in your garage for 12 weeks, you translated the New Testament into your native language, using candlelight to look at the text. That's what Luther did. He took the original New Testament Greek, the foundation for all translations, and during that time, he translated it into German so that the average person didn't require them to learn Latin or Greek, but they could read it in their Now think about where was Luther's heart. Before he began, before he did the 95 Theses, before he was sequestered, during the 12 weeks living in that cold garage, quote unquote, was his heart. His heart was that others would know about Jesus and would be able to have a Bible in their own language they could read. The heart. Nelson Mandela, South Africa. Consider his heart. He he saw the devastation that apartheid was doing. And he understood intellectually and with his heart that Christ came to welcome and love the whole world regardless of race. And Nelson Mandela was one who helped bring an end to apartheid. Again, question. Several weeks ago, I mentioned Mother Teresa. She was born in Albania, where we've done a lot of work with the local church there. But her heart, her heart was for the orphan children in India. And you know what happens to you if you're out there somewhere and you hear a child crying and you think maybe they're hurt, you know, it, it grabs our attention. 
Well, God used her heart to get the attention, get her attention to all of those orphans. And she is known receiving a Nobel Peace Prize for her work in reaching those children. Therein is the question. Love God with your heart, said Jesus. Well, I close with three contemporaries who had a big change of heart. One was Sam and Betsy Reeves. I met them during my first job as a college pastor at First Presbyterian Fresno, my first job out of seminary. Together they were very successful cotton and grain merchants. Subsequently, both of them came to faith in Jesus. They were just kind of agnostics, atheists before. They came to faith in Jesus and recognized his love. And after that happened, they began to strategize and pray and wonder how might they do dialogue with the business community about the person of Jesus in a way that would be safe for the not yet believer in Jesus. They came up with this idea. They decided to have a statue commission that would go in the front yard of their business office in downtown Fresno. The statue was of Jesus, Jesus sort of seated on a log like this, enjoying the company of children. So there's a Jesus on the log, and then there are two kids out here and there's a little kid under his arm. Now in order for them to have these statues created, they had to have models. And so they asked in the, in the children's ministry of the church, asked parents if kid could be a model. Well, my wife and I were asking, all right, oldest son, who was about five at that point, if he could be a model for the statue. We, of course, said yes. And so today, when you go see the statue, you see a little kid under the arm of Jesus. That's our son, Greg. So everywhere he goes in the world, he knows that there's a statue of him being under the arm share that because Sam and Betsy were so influential for my wife and me because of their heart to love Christ. Move it further, head north. My next call in ministry was to be the pastor at Trinity Presbyterian in Anchorage, a few miles north of Fresno, California. And, uh, 
After I'd been there a year or two, our missions committee was invited to send a short-term missions team in the summer to a Presbyterian Native Alaskan church 200 miles north of the Arctic Circle. And most of us really did not know what Arctic Circle meant until we arrived there. I remember the first night we all stayed in the in the uh, in the elementary school, and uh, I I got up to use the men's room, and I looked out the window, and it looked just like that at 3 a.m. and there was a full-fledged soccer game going. They throw away the clock because above the Arctic Circle it means there's continuous light in the summer. But one of the key people who had a heart for them was a national, and she was from the Trinity Church in Anchorage, a nationally known geologist. And she could tell you everything about the mountains and about earthquakes and et cetera, et cetera. But she developed a heart for the Inupiat people of that village. She has gone to that village once a year for two or three decades now. Subsequently, she and her husband have made their home in Anchorage available for people from the village that need to come to Anchorage for medical care and needed a place to stay. So these native Alaskans have the joy of knowing that when they come, they can be in Bill and Terry's house. She has an overflowing heart for the love of God, love of Christ in that house. Finally, my, my third adventure was at First Presbyterian San Mateo. And one of the elders, leaders in the church was, was John Taster, a, uh, another businessman. And during that time, he began to see the work of Habitat for Humanity. That organization that simply provides buildings, housing for maybe homeless people or people in another culture. And over the time on Facebook, I have seen John many, many times with his saw, with his hammer, with his ladder. He's out there physically with the other team members constructing a place It says much more than construction. That points to his heart. That his heart is such that he loves getting out there, getting dirty, getting hot, sweaty, getting cold, and in order to build that for a needy person.
So we're left with this uh, provocative commandment. Love God, said Jesus, with all your heart. And it makes me say, okay, um, George, let's have a heart-to-heart -heart talk. Where's your heart today about this, X or Y or Z? And how can my heart match up with the, the heart that Jesus would bring into a similar situation? The heart example. Let's pray. God, we, we are amazed and thank, so thankful that you chose to speak to us by coming in the person and the flesh of Jesus. And he's really turned things upside down for the better. Thank you for his word to us about our hearts and Lord, might this be a teaching heart-to-heart -heart moment for us as we move into our respective futures. We pray this in your name.